about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. movie and television series by television series hurtle through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time we're stepping outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe and into the multiverse for a look at Captain America and Captain America Death Too Soon, first seen in January and November 1979 respectively. Technically this places them somewhere between General Drakov meeting Jimmy Carter and Peter Quill, Frank Castle, Hope Van Dyne, Luke Cage and Antoine Tripler all being born. And you guessed it, there's absolutely no crossover with any of them. <laughs> I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I thought of Captain America and Captain America Death Too Soon shortly. Meanwhile, joining me to give his thoughts on Captain America and Captain America Death Too Soon, I hope I don't have to say them both many more times, is writer Gary Bainbridge. Gary, where can people find you? Oh, I'm on all the platforms now. X, X Twitter, I'm on Threads, I'm on Blue Sky, I'm on my own. Who knows? Who knows where I am? I'm on Gary underscore Bainbridge. I mean, that's it. It's Gary underscore Bainbridge. I could have got away without the underscore on some of the later platforms, but I just thought, no, let's stick with it throughout. Okay, so before we go any further, Gary, what happens in Captain America and Captain America Death Too Soon? Oh, God. I'm going to help you here. The titles of Captain America Death Too Soon just call it Captain America 2. And I think you can just get away with calling it Captain America 2 from now on. There's no way I'm going to call it Death Too Soon until unless I absolutely have to. Captain America is the story of Steve Rogers, who is a former Marine who's all turned into some sort of weird hippie who's going up and down the west coast of America. And he becomes Captain America. It's that simple. It's just... I've no idea why he becomes Captain America. I've watched the film three or four times now. I've still no idea why he becomes Captain America. He's got no motivation at all, but we'll talk about that later. And Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, I would have to say in that Captain America gets involved with some sort of ageing drug that's being pushed by Christopher Lee and... Can I stop now? Well, you can, because I think you might enjoy the next question, which is... Gary, how much did you know about Captain America, as in actual Captain America, before you saw either of these? Probably about 300% more than the people who made this film. I remember this, the first movie, being made because I think in like the second or third edition of the Daily Star, there was a big picture of the guy who plays Captain America as Captain America and saying that this is coming soon. I was so excited. I cut it out, pasted it on my wall. Yeah, I was so excited about this movie coming out. And I didn't see it then for another two years by the time it came to TV. And then by the time it came to TV, I could not be more disappointed. Well, I remember it was always on in the early 80s. I don't know about other ITV regions, but in Granada, it was always on in that week between Christmas and New Year. They were both always on. And I remember sitting, watching them repeatedly. 
But I've looked up, you know, just check what was going on with the actual Captain America at the time. You know, we had quite a turbulent 70s. There was a whole thing about Stanley controversially felt that Steve Rogers wouldn't support the Vietnam War because it wasn't patriotic in his sense of the word. And there was a lot of stick over that. And then inspired by that was the Watergate-inspired storyline where he was framed by the president and he became Nomad, the man without a country for a bit. But by the time these were in production, he teamed up with Sam Wilson and in a kind of reclaiming Captain America way. And that's where that famous frame comes from that does around on Twitter sometimes where he rescues like the Stars and Stripes from a burning building and is holding it aloft and it's burning. And, you know, that captures what was going on with proper Captain America at this point and this is just somebody who is sort of dressed as I think it was inspired by the evil can evil craze everything about it mm. but did you ever have the Fisher Price Adventure People skydiver who this <laughs> costume appears to be based on that's where I've seen him before oh yes I did have that that skydiver that was a great that was the only parachute toy that actually worked it did because, it really did because the cords were so thick they never got tangled up and yet I Ironically, there was actually a Captain America parachute toy. As there was, I can't remember who did them, but it was a line of like optioned characters because I had the Dino Mutt one. But I remember other people from Captain America one. But it was like a plastic molded posed figure with one arm up, and there's sort of parachute in that hollow in the back of the figure. And you threw it up, and it was supposed to come down, and it didn't. But this also made me think of. Do you remember there was a range of? I think there were Corgi did the superheroes toy vans where it had yes. their images and their logos on the side. When you opened it up in the back, there were computers. You know, like the whole always used <laughs> but there was a Captain America one with his round his shield on it and I wonder if that inspired the van in this I don't know I know that the van was one of the things that actually came from this and was taken into the books yes as well as the motorcycle that Captain America rides and him being an artist and him being an artist which is very strange I remember reading the British reprints around that time and it was the Roger Stern John Byrne was uh, that Captain series. America Weekly that they brought out to capitalise on these being shown in the UK where I remember them very fondly because from memory it also had Iron Man the Defenders and Dazzler as backup strips and you know that's a very me line up really (laughs) definitely but I remember that he was an illustrator in that and when when I saw the movie thought oh so they've taken that from the comic books no that went the other way around it's interesting to look at the positioning of this though because as we've talked about previously the being the Incredible Hulk was still a huge success at the time this was made but the Amazing Spider-Man had been and gone because mainly because it was too expensive and Doctor Strange hadn't gone beyond the pilot but they really did try with this because they did two in just over six months and they were obviously clearly hoping it will. it's worth saying as well there was a human torch pilot in development where they got so far and they thought yeah we won't bother with that and didn't they make it into something called The Power Within instead which I've never seen they did I've seen that film I've seen that film <laughs> too it, it was fine the human torch character has changed into a guy who can cast lightning bolts it's incredibly boring they just repurpose the script but it's also interesting that one thing I didn't know is it was directed by Rod Holcomb who later created AR, which is a bit of a career jump but looking at it now Red Brown who plays Captain America who's you know a perennial sort of this sort of film lead actor very much a sort of when you think about it Harry Hamlin or Sam Jones type of figure the sort of people they were casting in action films around this point and they were clearly however it looks now they were trying to get in on that trend but I think there's very little action in either of them a lot of it is very 
very ponderous. One thing that really struck me is there's a very long scene of them testing the motorbike in the first one, where it's got no action in it and no jokes. He is just driving round. And when you compare it, it is not fair to compare these to the modern Captain America films, but when you think about you know, when they test the shield in the first Avenger, and it's basically Peggy's angry with him, so she fires twice at it from point blank ranges are quite effective. It just doesn't match up. It's also in the second one, <laughs> the motorbike gains a hang glider. It looks like an off-script episode of Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> The thing is, though, I mean, special effects technology being as it is now and how, as it was then, these are real stunts. Yeah. They really have got a guy on a motorbike underneath a hang glider flying through some place in California, probably. There are motorcycle leaps that are proper sort of Evil Knievel, Eddie Kid type leaps clearly actually being done. Uh, you know, Captain America on the back, on the top of a lorry that's going down the freeway. You know, these are actually really impressive stunts, but unfortunately it's just, it's wrapped around just absolute dross and tedium I've never seen anything like Red Brown he's just he's not in any real sense a great actor I mean they've got the beefy guy they're giving him blonde highlights and they've told him to say some words and to be fair to him he definitely does say those words but he's got no no screen presence he's got no variety and intonation everything he says is just delivered in exactly the same very calm tone I mean if you try to be charitable you'd say well you know that just speaks to the stoicism of Captain America but no it's absolutely not it's just very very dull I mean you wouldn't want him to be the guy who spots a fire and then has to raise the alarm he'd be like the only person who could ever raise the alarm and lower it simultaneously <laughs> it's just incredibly boring one thing I did wonder though watching it and I've not found anything to confirm or deny this is Given that, you know, sometimes the older Marvel adaptations, elements of them are used as inspiration for the modern day. Do you think some aspects of, not the characterisation, but some of the action scenes were deliberately used when they brought John Walker in in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Because some of them seem to mirror things like particularly, you mentioned, you know, straddling the top of a lorry. And it reminded me a lot of the scene with John Walker in that. And I wonder if they deliberately to get a kind of like off-beam Captain America vibe. That's a very good point, actually. It did occur to me that the was similarities there but I didn't really imagine that they'd be doing it on purpose but yeah why not you know clearly it's something that I mean the MCU is clearly familiar with the original Captain America TV show obviously there's a scene in Captain America where you get Steve Rogers drawing a picture of himself as a monkey oh yes showing yeah. that you know he's a decent artist and the motorbike of course the motorbike of course with the shield in place of a windscreen Red Brown is in Captain America the First Avenger. He's sitting next to Stan Lee when Stan Lee says to another general, I thought he'd be taller when he's talking about Captain America. He's actually speaking to Captain America. Well, as you've alluded to, it's only very loosely based on, you can't even say the concept of Captain America, only very loosely based on the fact that Captain America exists somewhere in popular culture. I mean, there's no Red Skull here or King Cobra, and it's much less close than... When you think about it, for all the changes they made, the Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange and Amazing Spider-Man were, to a degree, quite faithful in some ways to the comic incarnations. I mean, not having Peter Parker tell jokes was a mistake and that sort of... But, you know, they got the general... They were in the home straight, basically. But here, they've even changed the Super Soldier Serum to become something called Flag for latent ability game. The story appears to be his father had developed it and there'd been a Captain America that nobody noticed somehow, yeah. which is the bit I really don't understand. And they tried it on other people so it hadn't worked and said, 
so you've got to get it because it will work on you. And I don't quite understand that logic. There's a lot of setup before any of that happens with him just talking to random people who own fishing huts and so on. And I'm not sure how I've managed to get through that as a youngster watching it, but it doesn't really bear much relation to Captain America. Not in a way I can get angry about, whereas, you know, you can point at some things, you know, some adaptations of some franchises and get quite frustrated with what they did to them. Whereas this, I think it's harmless in a way. Yeah, I I know what you mean. I think the thing is that certainly at the time, Captain America is quite a... What's the word I would use? I suppose he's quite a vanilla character at the time. He arguably wasn't at his most famous then as well, I'd say. No, definitely definitely not. Although, I suppose you've got Captain America in Easy Rider, haven't you? You know, there's obviously a character... Well, there was also, I forgot about this until the other day, the Captain America crisps. I remember the Spider-Man ones, but there were beef burger flavour. And now, what I would love to see is there is no record of these online. But, you know, on the back, they used to have character profiles where they have, you know, the lizard or somebody. Oh, yeah. I'm convinced one of them, presumably a Spider-Man one, had the Punisher. That's very possible. <laughs> I absolutely have no idea whether that's true, but I believe you, Tim. But yeah, they were allegedly shield-shaped, where they were basically just a circle with a sort of star sort cut of in star, it. star, yeah, yeah. yeah. They did replace him with Superman, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> later down the line once people realised that nobody had ever heard of Captain America in this country but you know fair play to Golden Bond or whoever created it you know a lot of people like to eat shields but it is so meandering it's like the pilot of the Incredible Hulk if he went for a stroll between each sea <laughs> there's just not much happens and then not much happens between not much happening and then you get it's so bland that I didn't even laugh as much as I should have done at the fact that they detect a neutron bomb by its faint hull that's the actual phrase. <laughs> Over a telephone. Over it, a telephone. Yeah, and Over it's not telephone. clear why the bad guys have got a neutron bomb and want to use it anyway. I mean, I know they want to rob somewhere, but their motivation seems to be a bit vague. No, and also the plan that they've got is to take care of Steve Rogers because they think there's a possibility they might be given this full latent ability game super steroid. The extremes that they go to is try to take care of him. They've obviously been told make it look like an accident. So what they've done is he is driving in his van along some sort of cliffside road and coming up the other way is an oil tanker which dumps all its oil onto the road so that when he drives past his wheels will hit the oil and he'll skid and he'll go off the road and his van will crash down below and he'll be killed. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of that does work. He does hit the oil. He then just goes into the, honestly, it's the longest skid I've ever seen. He skids through it and then he shoots off the edge of the road. He lands and he gets out of this van. And the only thing that's wrong with him is he's torn his shirt and yeah. it. <laughs> And you think, this isn't a guy who needed a super steroid. He was absolutely fine. I love the idea that it's an accident. Make it look like an accident. I think they gave the idea to someone that said, make it look like an accident. And this guy's going, okay, well, I watched a lot of episodes of Some Mothers Do Have Them. Also, just the oil wouldn't be very impressed with it. <laughs> but it's not clear why they're targeting him even to make it look like an accident. If they explained it, they didn't explain it clearly enough for me to notice it. No, but then they do it again. They do yeah. exactly the same thing again. They think, well, uh, 
I didn't work last time. What, what didn't work last time? Well, you know, that time when we tried to shove him off the side of a cliff. Or well, maybe it'll work a second time. And in the second one, as you noted, we have got Christopher Lee as General Miguel, who has a formula for advancing ageing. But the explanation appears to be that he started off trying to reverse ageing, but in order to reverse ageing, you have to first accelerate it. And then when he accelerated it, he went mad. I'm not sure that that works scientifically. No, it's a bit like <laughs> Rishi Sunak and his net zero ideas, isn't it? I love Christopher Lee in the second movie. It's like he's clearly been on set for two days. He's got one day indoors, one day outdoors, that's it. It's not his best work. <laughs> he plays a, a terrorist called Miguel. I think he's probably supposed to have some sort of Latino accent, but... but he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> he's, he's got a Latino accent in the same way that Sean Connery's got a Spanish accent in Highlander. Your father developed and perfected the ultimate steroid. He called it flag, full latent ability game. He injected himself with the serum, and it worked. A top secret serum gave Steve Rogers superpowers. Now he can use them to save a city from a madman with a bomb. Finished. If he accepts the challenge. Be Captain America, Steve. Heather Menzies, Steve Forrest, and Reb Brown as the star-spangled superhero, Captain America. And then the second pilot is quite interesting because they replace Captain America's colleague, Dr. Wendy Day. Who, incidentally, I should say, is played by Heather Menzies, mm-hmm. who was Louisa Von Trapp in The Sound of Music alongside Nicholas Nick- Hammond, well, Spider-Man. I did, yeah. not know, I did not know that. Anyway, she's sacked off after the first pilot because she has some sort of weird scene with Steve Rogers where they sort of get it on on the beach. There's literally zero sexual chemistry between these two, by the way. There's just, I have no idea how this happens. But then they do the second pilot and they replace her with Connie Seleko, who I think was yeah. the greatest American hero. I just think, I can't understand how, when they made the second pilot, they looked at the first pilot because of the way these things work and they thought, right, well, right, what do we need to improve in the second pilot? And they've gone, yeah, we'll change the girl. And that was it. <laughs> like, there is so much wrong with the first pilot. But they carry on with it in the second pilot. Well, like I've said about a couple of these things, when they realised things weren't working, the first thing to do might have been to have a look at some of the comics. And, you know, easy thing to do, if you're not that much expensive to do, bring the kingpin in. At least that's a comics villain with an interesting spin. You could have brought in anybody from Hydra who wasn't the Red Skull. You could bring in also Batroc the Leaper you could bring in. There are so many (laughs) Captain America villains who you could have brought in for peanuts. But, you know, why would you do that? Because dressing up a supervillain in a silly costume would look ridiculous. Have you seen the Captain America outfit in both of these movies? Well, certainly in the second movie, when he's wearing the same sort of outfit that his father used to wear in the 1940s, which is suspiciously similar, by the way, to the outfit that he comes up with as a thinner. Yes. (laughs) It's almost an entire lift from the comics, but it looks like a competitive ice skater with a crash helmet for some reason, with these weird wings that are just being attached to the front of the helmet. And a shield that is... Oh, Tim, that shield. I was going to mention it. Partly transparent. Yeah. And the thing that really gets me about it is... The whole point of it is it has a sort of boomerang action. So it just comes 
comes back, it doesn't have to be rebounded off things. Was that just because they either couldn't afford to or couldn't be bothered to do shots where it rebounded? I don't know. The only thing I can tell you about it is it moves incredibly slowly. There's a scene in the second movie where he throws the shield past a mugger. An incredible gang of muggers. He's basically taking on the gang from Death Wish 2. He throws his shield and it comes back incredibly slowly, almost as if it was on a wire. And then this very, very flimsy plastic shield hits a guy on the back of his head and knocks him out immediately. It's just incredible work. Well done, Captain America. Do you know what it looks like? If you'd got a Captain America shield from one of those shops you got six feet away from the beach <laughs> in like the 80s. About that time, I suppose when the movie came out, I was very into Captain America at the time. Well, as, as much as anybody in the UK was. I made my own Captain America shield. I got a big piece of very hard cardboard and I cut it out in a sort of circle and I, I drew the design on. I went over it with proper paint. It looked the business. I even put straps on it. I took it outside and I threw it and it flew beautifully right over the yard wall of our next door neighbour who wouldn't give me it back. First time I took it outside, first time I threw it. Never saw it again. It's still going <laughs> beautiful. One thing I really liked about this was the soundtrack, which a lot of similar things to this vintage just have you know, with sort of blokes, sort of almost like do I have to do this doing disco funk and like, you know, uh, what time can I get to Wendy Burger before it closes? But this, they actually make some effort. He's got a proper theme that's used in different styles and different contexts. Absolutely. There's a lot of different moods in it. And I actually really enjoyed that, but it did make me think that there weren't any soundtracks at the time for any of these. There weren't, you know, you did get the photo novels the way you did with things like Battlestar Galactica. I suppose the reason is that it never went to series and you can see exactly why it wasn't picked up. That theme tune is actually right at the beginning of the show, both episodes. It's Captain America's van driving along the freeway to this very sort of chilled out version of the theme tune and it's like the opening titles of New Heart. <laughs> Which, you know, screams superhero. <laughs> that theme tune was written by Mike Post. So that's why it's up. good, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is interesting to reflect as well, but, I mean, obviously they never came anywhere near having any crossover with any of these putative TV series. Looking back now, I find it hard to see how any of that... Not how it, you know, would have happened, because they would have just got the stars together and said, you mean the thing, but how it would have worked, because they seem to be fundamentally characters that do not need other characters. They're all quite isolated, because, you know, obviously that version of Spider-Man still can't reveal his secret identity. Bruce Banner's always wandering off with a voiceover at the end. <laughs> Doctor Strange is still quite, he's not Benedict Cumberbatch level arrogant, but you know, he has still got arrogance and this Captain America is a loner. So yeah. how would they have worked as a team? How can you mash these people together, Tim? That's the question. You, you just do it, wouldn't you? No, you but just... what I'm saying is it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked on so many levels. It's funny, we've done, I mean, this is the fourth one of these and it's comfortably the worst. You really have to say the worst till last. It's a shame. You could have made a decent Captain America TV show with a similar premise. You could have had him going across the country, you know, finding out about America and going to different places in the same way that the Hulk did. But this is just so odd. He seems to be some sort of itinerant, but it also never goes very far away from the government agency that he's sort of sort of working for. Yeah, never, yeah it's never, never formalised, is it? Never. I don't know what his contract would be like. <laughs> I don't know how it works. And get sent to do jobs by this government. 
government agency that only the guy who runs it and the president know about, although obviously there's clearly a lot of people working for them that don't quite know how that works. Why wasn't it S.H.I.E.L.D.? There's no reason why it couldn't have been S.H.I.E.L.D. And yet, again, it's quite striking to think that, rightly or wrongly, a lot of people saw these four shows and putative shows. You know, some of them were successful, some of them weren't, but, you know, they made an impact. They didn't get it right, but then, you know, you get that handful of films in the mid-80s that get it wrong in a different way. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until, I would say, Blade, really. Because, you know, you've got all kinds of odd things in between, like that X-Men at college TV pilot, which nobody really seems to know about. (laughs) It's not until the first Blade movie that somebody actually appears to think. Obviously, I'm doing DC disservice here, because, you know, you had to, obviously, Superman and Batman so But with Marvel, until Blade, nobody appears to think, why don't we do it as much like the comics as we can? Because that might work. I think it's an age thing. I think it's because the people who were running the studios in the 80s were too old for Marvel Comics in the 1960s. They were never really interested. It was only once you start getting into the late 90s, the early 2000s, that people who grew up reading comics are now in the studios. I think that's the main reason. I think that's why, you know, you you get a a film like Blade, you get a film like X-Men, you get Raimi's Spider-Man because the dweeby kids who are reading comics are now grown up and they know the characters and they know why these characters are popular. I keep going back to this, you know. I don't care how much you change about the character as long as the characters are true to the core. And this Captain America is not. (laughs) This Captain America is somebody who, again, you know, just keeps, like I said, he's an ex-Marine who's turned into some sort of weird hippie which is not Captain America I don't know, it's somebody... a bit late for weird hippies as well 1979 isn't it you know. I would say so yeah. <laughs> I would say so I think the thing about Captain America is about service and responsibility and this Captain America is a guy who's asked two or three times to take this drug and become Captain America and step up and be you know the, the hero that you know they think he could be and he keeps saying no and you think that's not Captain America Captain America is the guy who at the first opportunity went straight in there and said no I, I know I'm, I'm not strong enough but give me a chance that's Captain America that's proper Captain America this guy's just it's a guy in a suit it's a guy in a, a suit and a weird mask who fights crime for reasons I cannot begin to understand again I think that's why the Hulk worked Spider-Man to an extent worked the other two Captain America and Doctor Strange did not work because they don't know who Captain America and Doctor Strange are okay well you have already mentioned that Red Brown does appear in Captain America the first Avenger so that sort of stymied my usual closing question for these because I could find nobody else that was in either of these that was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so instead of so terribly sorry. Gary, if you had a shield that just sort of came back when you threw it a bit, what would you use it for? It depends. Would you be able to bring a cup of tea back to me? Yeah, because it would make life a lot easier from, you know, you're watching the telly, a cup of tea is a bit further away from, you know, you'd like, you know, you can just throw a shield, pick up the, the cup of tea on the way back and something's <laughs> going to spill it. You'd be laughing, wouldn't you? I mean, that's it. I've got no other reason to use a shield, to be honest, so don't get into that many coins. Well, it's more than this Captain America did with it, <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thank you, and Excelsior. Cheers, Tim. If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can buy more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me at timworthington.org.